Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight, could it be a medical breakthrough? America's top infectious disease doctor praises a possible treatment for coronavirus as new hope. Because what it is proven is that a drug can block this virus. This is very optimistic. Will the FDA fast-track its use for hospitalized patients? The news sent the stock market soaring. But there are still big economic worries. The U.S. economy shrinks as consumer spending plummets, and it may only get worse. Across America, food lines stretch, stimulus checks stolen from mailboxes, and why some make more money by staying on unemployment than going back to work. Massive crowds. The mayor of New York City threatens mourners with arrests as the NYPD is sent in to break up the funeral of a rabbi who died of coronavirus. Unions beef with Trump. Strong backlash against the president's order that forces workers back to meat plants. And what might soon disappear from grocery store shelves. Strange symptoms. From dangerous rashes in children to frostbite toes, the never-before-seen symptoms of this killer virus. Americans stranded, workers stuck on cruise ships, some for more than 60 days. Why the government won't let them into their own country. And we end tonight with an iconic Washington restaurant facing its toughest battle, the fight to stay open. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin with breaking news, a potential breakthrough in the treatment of coronavirus. 100 days after the first person was diagnosed right here in the U.S., the country's top infectious disease doctor says tonight there is clear evidence an experimental drug is showing results in slowing COVID-19. Dr. Anthony Fauci says early trials show the drug called remdesivir 
is capable of blocking the virus. And while it is by no means a cure, tonight there are indications that the FDA is moving forward to authorize emergency use of the drug in some situations. And as we come on the air, more than 1,036,000 cases have been confirmed nationwide. And the virus has killed more than 60,000 here in the U.S. It is also having a devastating impact on American businesses. A report out today shows the U.S. economy shrank by nearly 5% from January through March, just as stores and restaurants began closing. Economists say second quarter numbers will be even worse. And with more and more states now pushing to reopen, tonight President Trump says he will not extend those federal social distancing guidelines when they expire tomorrow. He's going to leave it up to governors to decide what's appropriate. So there's a lot to cover tonight, and CBS's Mola Lenghi is going to lead us off tonight in New York City. Mola? Well, Nora, perhaps the only thing more urgent than testing, like New York City is doing at pop-up sites like this, has been the race to find a treatment. Well, today is significant development as a drug that was originally developed to find a, uh, a treatment for the Ebola virus has now become the new best hope in treating the coronavirus. With the COVID-19 death toll passing 60,000, today, a sign of hope, a potential treatment in the experimental antiviral drug remdesivir which according to the NIH showed positive early results. Remdesivir has a clear-cut significant positive effect in diminishing the time to recovery. Dr. Anthony Fauci said the four-day faster recovery time in patients taking the pill was significant enough to interrupt the clinical trial so other COVID-19 patients involved could be offered the drug too. What it is proven is that a drug can block this virus. A smaller Chinese study published in the medical journal The Lancet today was less conclusive about remdesivir's overall benefit, but did confirm faster recovery in patients who received earlier treatment. Now we have a weapon. CBS News medical contributor Dr. David Agus. For the first time, I can say we are on offense rather than defense because we literally have been on defense. The stock market pushed higher on the news, led by Remdesivir's maker, Gilead, and Pfizer, which announced today a vaccine trial in Germany could begin in humans next week. But frontline testing is still the key to stopping the virus's spread. The 1.5 million conducted last week in the U.S. is far short of the minimum 3.5 million a week needed, according to a Harvard report. But testing for COVID-19 antibodies is expanding. In New York City, there are now available in walk-in urgent cares. Quest Diagnostics Chief Medical Doctor Jay Wolgamuth says people can now also buy their test online. As we ha now have antibody data available around the country at scale, uh, that data is going to be really useful um, as we think about opening up. In hot spots like New York, long lines at a food bank show the economic desperation, and overnight disregard for social distancing. Police were forced to disperse thousands of mourners crowded on Brooklyn streets after a funeral Tuesday night. The mayor called the gathering alarming. Even if they didn't mean to, would spread a disease that will kill other members of the community is just unacceptable to me. And with more than 100,000 coronavirus patients hospitalized, every day there is a story of recovery. Like 75-year-old Sonia Ati of Queens, New York. The grandmother of two was on a ventilator, hospitalized for nearly three weeks. Tuesday, she got to go home, just in time for her granddaughter's sixth birthday. Well, late this afternoon, we learned that Florida, just one day after reporting its highest single-day death toll, will begin its plan to reopen the state 
on May 4th. Now, the governor says that much of hard-hit south portion of the state, including Miami, will not be allowed to reopen most of its businesses, with the exception of golf courses and parks. Nora. All right, Mola, thank you so much. And that encouraging news on remdesivir helped boost Wall Street today. The Dow was up 2.2 percent, putting it on track for its biggest monthly gain since 1987. But even as the market rises, the economy is in a tailspin. New numbers out today revealed the GDP, that's the broadest measure of the nation's output, fell for the first time in six years. CBS's Weijia Zhang is at the White House tonight. Weijia. Honora, President Trump is brushing off those numbers, saying he can feel a pent-up demand to stimulate the economy, so he's looking ahead to the fourth quarter. In an effort to get back to business, the president said today those federal social distancing guidelines will be faded out when they expire tomorrow. And President Trump offered an optimistic forecast for the U.S. economy. We had the best economy ever. And we're going to have it again. But that does not match the dire conditions on the ground. The GDP's first quarter drop was the sharpest since the Great Recession. And the second quarter could see a record 40% plunge. Today, Boeing announced it will slash 10% of its workforce and cut back on making jets, while Hertz is preparing for possible bankruptcy after failing to make lease payments. Consumer confidence and spending also plummeted. We're throwing money at the people that lost their job unfairly. The stimulus checks come with a personalized letter from the president saying the administration is working around the clock to protect the American worker. With 26 million of those workers having filed for unemployment, many employers are facing a new challenge. The government program disincentivizes people from coming back to work. Ray Washburn owns several restaurants in the Dallas area and serves on President Trump's reopening task force. He says some staffers are ditching their jobs to continue collecting unemployment benefits, which amount to double their salaries. Our argument back to them is, you know, your job might not be here at the end of July because we're going to hire somebody else. We need people now and to bring them online. Well, tonight, the U.S. Postal Service is warning people to be extra vigilant as those stimulus checks continue to roll out. In Brooklyn, police have arrested a man accused of stealing U.S. mail, including $12,000 worth of stimulus payments. Nora? That's outrageous. Ouija, thank you. One day after the president's executive order to keep meat plants open, a union representing meat packers said it wishes, quote, the administration cared as much about the lives of working people as it does about meat, pork, and poultry products. About 6,500 workers have been infected or exposed to the virus, and at least 20 have died. We've got more now from CBS's Dean Reynolds, including what this means for consumers. At a JBS meatpacking plant in Greeley, Colorado, that had been closed, workers are on the job again. Were you worried about working? Yeah, but, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. Over the weekend, 20 of them tested positive for the virus. At least five have died. Yet the plant is operating after a brief closure. Last month, these pictures showed workers at another JBS plant crowded together. That is supposed to change. This promotional video from a Tyson's food plant shows a retrofitted workspace with masks, partitions, and thermometers. To the president, these facilities are critical infrastructure. It's why his order protects them from lawsuits if their workers get sick. And they are getting sick. 
Yanitslati Santana's husband, Raul, is down with fever from the virus. She says the Tyson plant in Indiana, where they both work, was too slow to respond. She says Tyson installed plexiglass partitions really late for people working side by side by side. That plant has been closed for a week. There's also a fight between Washington and the mostly rural communities where plants are. What do you think of the president's executive order? Incredibly reckless. Leaders in Blackhawk County, Iowa, are dealing with a large Tyson plant and the third highest number of COVID deaths in the state. The president has no clue what's actually happening on the ground in, in communities like mine. Now, experts say the president's order will not have an immediate impact on the slowdown in meat production. Prices are already rising, and there are shortages occurring for special cuts like boneless chicken breasts because they're just aren't enough workers to do that job. Nora? All right, Dean, thank you. For now, the coronavirus has all but sunk America's $50 billion a year cruise industry. Under CDC orders, U.S. cruise ships are going nowhere for the next three months, which has left tens of thousands of workers, including Americans, stranded at sea. For an update, here's CBS's Chris Van Cleve. Not allowed to come home. At least nine American crew members on the Ostradam cruise ship were blocked by the Centers for Disease Control from getting off in Los Angeles Tuesday. They're among at least 132 Americans marooned on cruise ships owned by Carnival Cruise Line companies. Why can't you go home? I don't know. <laughs> Ryan Driscoll is a performer on one of those ships, currently an island in the coronavirus storm, essentially stranded at sea for more than 60 days. Passengers got off March 13th, and he's been quarantined for weeks, only allowed out of his room for meals and temperature checks. The fact that they won't let us off uh, is extremely frustrating and irritating, um, especially for ships that just have crew members that have been quarantined for much longer than 14 days that have no COVID-19 cases. We're just being, we're just stuck here. We're, it does feel like a prison sometimes. I want to go home. I want to see my family. The Coast Guard is monitoring 120 cruise ships in U.S. waters with about 80,000 crew members. The total number of Americans on board is unknown. They can't disembark because of a CDC order. It prohibits cruise ship workers from staying in a hotel, using public transportation, taking a commercial airline flight, or interacting with the public for 14 days upon arrival on shore, regardless of how long they've quarantined on board. Dan Dominich is stuck on a different ship. We're on a ship with 1,300 other crew members from 60 different nationalities, and our nation is the one that's not letting us back into the country, and that's embarrassing. It's extremely unusual for U.S. citizens to be not denied entry to the country. The State Department says they're aware and working on it. The CDC says as soon as the cruise ships uh, comply with their order, those folks can disembark. The cruise lines say it's not that simple, but are continuing to work with the CDC to try to resolve all this. Nora? All right, Chris, thank you. The U.S. government is considering using cell phone technology to track COVID-19 outbreaks. Users would opt in by downloading an app. It is a system already up and running in Israel and has generated huge controversy because it's run by the country's intelligence agency, and it isn't voluntary. CBS's Elizabeth Palmer reports. As COVID infections in Israel skyrocketed, the government tapped into a top-secret surveillance program run by the Shin Bet Intelligence Agency. Invented to track terrorist cell phones, it actually watches everyone. 
Ronan Bergman is an intelligence analyst and author of Rise and Kill First about Israel's targeted assassinations. So Shin Bet is recording the movements of every Israeli phone and saving that data. Yes, and this is, of course, a challenge to Israeli democracy and the right of privacy. Here's how it works. When someone tests positive, Shin Bet analyzes phone data to see where they've been and who they got close to. And those people are immediately ordered into isolation. Take Leora Shokin. Her partner was in quarantine with COVID. She decided to visit and stood in the street chatting from a safe distance with her partner on the balcony. But Shin Bet was tracking their phones and judged they were too close. Leora suddenly got a text ordering her into quarantine. I, I never agreed with the concept of uh, this type of surveillance. Shokin is not alone. Many Israelis were stunned to realize they were under surveillance and feel Big Brother has gone too far. The Israeli Supreme Court is also concerned. It's told the government it either has to legitimize the use of this secret surveillance program with new laws or shut it down. Elizabeth Palmer, CBS News, London. We're learning more tonight about how coronavirus attacks the body. Tonight, doctors are alarmed about a symptom being reported in children, unexpected inflammation throughout their bodies. Our chief medical correspondent, Dr. John now on these new findings. Tonight, health officials around the world are puzzled by a rare complication of COVID-19 being noticed in children. There are some recent rare descriptions of children um, in some European countries that have had this inflammatory syndrome, which is simi similar to the Kawasaki syndrome. Reports show a growing number of cases of multi-system inflammatory disease similar to Kawasaki disease, which is a disease most common in children characterized by fever, swollen lymph nodes, and inflammation in the eyes, mouth, and skin. It often follows a viral infection. Dr. Jane Newberger is with Boston Children's Hospital. If they get treated promptly, will do well. But a small proportion uh, will go on and develop enlargement in the coronary arteries or even aneurysms of the coronary arteries. Here in New York, at least three children have been hospitalized with a rare inflammation of the heart related to COVID-19. It's a tiny minority of a kind of a shock syndrome, and sometimes with uh, some signs and symptoms that looked a little bit like what we can see in Kawasaki disease. Coronavirus is proving to be much more than a traditional respiratory illness, with unusual symptoms being reported almost daily. For example, loss of taste and smell, and frostbite toes, purplish patches seen on the feet of children and young adults, possibly caused by increased inflammation and clotting. Doctors are seeing second-week crashes, where individuals seem to be doing relatively well at first, then develop extreme symptoms such as shortness of breath requiring urgent treatment. We first thought COVID-19 was just the disease of the lungs, but Nora, these complications are unusual for pneumonia and teaching doctors to expect the unexpected. All right, Dr. LaPook, thank you. Washington is full of monuments, but few in the food business stand as tall as Ben's Chili Bowl. It has served generations of the city's famous and not so famous. As CBS's Nicole Killian reports, it's now facing the fight of its life. In a city famous for landmarks like Washington and Lincoln, there's Benz. Where for more than 60 years, I need my Benz. People from all walks of life, presidents, popes, and celebrities have craved a taste of the chili half smoke. 
We've always been the place for people to come and gather. Good morning, Adrian. Virginia Ali is the mom behind this mom and pop. I'm 86 years old, and I've never seen anything like this. Since stay-at-home orders took effect, business has slowed to a crawl. You've had to shut some of your restaurants. We've had to close all of them except this one. We've never closed the chili bowl. Never. Not during the 1968 riots, the drug wars of the 80s and 90s, or subway construction. What has enabled you to persevere? Hard work and caring about the business and caring about people. And the community, even as the restaurant struggles, it donates meals to frontline workers. It really lifts morale. Another morale booster, a federal loan after weeks of waiting. What does it mean for the business? It means that we can hopefully bring back our team members and the Chili Bowl will come back hopefully stronger than ever. Serving up hope, a key ingredient for survival. Nicole Gillian, CBS News, Washington. Their specialty is the half smoke, fully loaded. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, a museum challenged people to recreate famous works of arts. And the results are amazing. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Stay safe and good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts.